You're listening to Moving Forward with Dr. Lynn Swanner. Today's podcast is part of the Flourishing Leaders series, where we explore ways to transform your school community. This podcast is a production of the Association of Christian Schools International. Listen and learn more about flourishing at blog.acsi.org. Well, today I have with me Dr. Justin Smith, who's the head of the upper school and vice president at Little Rock Christian Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he's joining us today to talk about the construct of questioning. And Little Rock Christian Academy has actually been profiled in two books, both the Mind Shift in Christian Education book and the Flourishing Together book. And in the second, specifically around the construct of questioning. And interestingly, from the research angle, uh, close to half of schools that participate in the Flourishing Schools research have questioning as a key growth opportunity. And so that's why, among many reasons, why I'm excited to have Justin on today. Um, Little Rock Christian Academy and the team that is there are really very intentionally harnessing questioning as a modality or a method, if you will, for, for discipleship, for faith development, and for learning as well. So I think importantly, rather than viewing questioning as a threat or a problem or an issue to be solved, they're really leaning in to harness the power of questioning to achieve their mission as a Christian school. So Justin, welcome. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk about this idea of questioning and how we do it in a Christian context. Great. So let's start out with you just sharing a little bit about Little Rock Christian Academy, kind of your role there. And I'd love to hear the journey that the school took to get to this point with that full on engagement of the team, the faculty, the students around questioning as this pedagogy and also as a discipleship approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, early on, when I was learning about um, a pedagogical approach called Harkness Method, the Harkness Method, Harkness Learning, um, one of the teachers shared with me, Justin, if we are doing our job well, we are creating good questioners. And so that got me thinking about the idea of questions and how important a good question is. And so um, what we wanted to do was involve our students more in the heavy lifting um, in class, not have the, t- the teachers that, that stand at the board and do the song and dance. They do such a great job with that. However, I'm more curious about what are our students doing. So at Little Rock Christian Academy, I was introduced to uh, this school uh, just over five years ago. I was at a school in Houston, Texas, uh, another Christian school, a second Baptist school, phenomenal school. We were using Harkness and we were developing training programs for teachers on our campus, as well as other Christian schools from around the country. One of those schools that came one summer to our program was Little Rock Christian Academy. So after returning from our training program, they told our head of school, Dr. Gary Arnold, we love this approach to teaching and learning. We love the tables that the kids sit around and hey, you should ask Justin if he's interested in coming uh, to be our high school principal. So the long story short is the Lord was calling me up here, training me, uh, equipping me to be an instructional leader at a school that is ready to take the next step Um, in this idea of Harkness and questioning and developing good thinkers. So here on our campus, I was uh, excited to learn that that Little Rock Christian was very much interested in not just supporting Harkness, but really using it as a tool in biblical worldview and a variety of our classes to deepen a student's faith and intellect simultaneously. We don't see those two at odds. We don't see those two um, as 
inverses of one another, we see them as complementing one another, faith and intellect. And so our approach to teaching and learning in the classroom is really centered around this idea of students driving the discussion after doing their pre-work, they're driving the discussion, but they recognize early on there's an importance of asking a good question, a good question that is gonna to lead to further discovery, further inquiry, and pressing back or extending ideas that have been thrown across the Harkness table. So our students are learning how to do this at an early age, middle school, junior high. They have shorter Harkness discussions, but we're training them. There's more scaffolding there. Ninth and 10th grade, the same thing, a lot of scaffolding, teaching our students. What does a good question look like? What's the difference between an open-ended question and a closed-ended question? Both are valuable, but for different reasons. And so we train them on how to write a good question. Our teachers, in addition to that, are trained in the art of writing essential questions and good discussion questions. And we use that not just in our planning purposes, but really to let the students in to know these are the questions that we have. We wanna hear your thoughts on that. So a teacher that does this well has planned for various scenarios that could happen in a loose classroom, because when you're asking kids to ask and respond to questions, it is a bit unpredictable uh, and that's a challenge at times. But the fruit that comes from taking the ceiling off of the learning in the classroom um, is exactly what we're after here. That's great. And I'm sure that that listeners, if they're not familiar with the Harkness method and the, the Harkness table, are really curious what that looks like. Can you just describe, you know, just just sort of pick a class and what it looks like from the time the students walk into the, the students walk out to sort of pique our imagination around what that looks like? Absolutely. So Harkness began around the year 1930 at Phillips Exeter Academy, which has long been a, a top tier school feeding into many of the greatest institutions uh, at the college level. And so they use this approach in every single discipline. Uh, we became familiar with Phillips Exeter Academy years ago, started um, sending teachers to trainings, partnering with their teachers. They partner with us. Um, but this is what Harkness looks like. What we're trying to do is get our students to do a lot of pre-work before coming to class, reading the text, annotating, coming up with questions on their own, um, front-loading. Then the student walks into the classroom. The classroom, the construction of the classroom looks totally different from your traditional row and column setting in most of the schools that, at least the schools that I attended or early on in my career that I worked at. So the construction of the, the, of the actual classroom is typically centered around a large seminar table, either square in shape or rectangle or oval. What you want to do is be able to allow the students to be able to make good eye contact with everybody centered around this connected table. So the construction is there um, so that students can see each other, can hear each other, can look each other in the eye as they engage in the conversation. The teacher then is sort of the facilitator, invisible hand, if you will, um, ready to jump in and help. Um, but the idea is what the, what the teacher does is set the environment for a really robust conversation. Some of our teachers prep students with here are the types of questions that we're after, or they say to the students, what questions do you have about the artifact or the reading or um, the assignment from the previous night? So as students begin to work through, these are our aims, we want to make, and then the teacher will also, depending on the age level, make sure, hey, there are some other elements that we want to pay attention to. 
body language, using each other's names, um, civilly disagreeing with one another, asking for text evidence in the discussion. We want this to be a text-centered conversation, not just an opinion on a historical event or something that's written in the scriptures, but we want it to be text referenced throughout the conversation, the discussion. Um, most of our discussions last anywhere between 20 and 40 to 45 minutes. Uh, we have, we're on a block schedule here, so 80 minutes, which means um, we typically have uh, at the beginning of class some sort of warm-up or starter, then a mini lesson, then discussion, and then we always want to end our Harkness discussions with what we call on our campus a debrief conversation. It's the conversation about the conversation. In educational terms, we say, this is where metacognition happens. We're tying together what happened in that discussion? What did we talk about? What could we have done better as a group? It's a team effort in Harkness, which is hard for many of our students, especially students that are advanced, that are accustomed to getting all the right answers. Um, at times it can be a struggle when you're working together with others, but oh, it's so incredibly important and fruitful uh, for each of the students that sit around the Harkness table. No, that's great. So I'm curious, you know, having taught in, in sort of, I would say a traditional classroom, now having Harkness uh, throughout the school and your, your colleagues and your teachers all trained uh, and, and doing this, what difference have you seen? What kind of impact do you see in terms of student outcomes? You mentioned both these academic outcomes and also the spiritual formation outcomes and, and not sacrificing either. So I'm curious sort of what are, what are some of the differences that you notice as a result of really having questioning being at much of the heart of the teaching and learning? Well, making a thank you for asking that question. Making a pedagogical shift like this is really difficult for teachers initially. So the training and support that is required uh, to do this well is pretty extensive. Um, and and as as school leaders and instructional leaders, we want to be um, supportive, intentional, provide time, um, provide answers to many of the questions, um, and to have a lot of grace. Um, our our goal is not necessarily asking questions and using Harkness 100% of the time. There's a time and a place for it. Um, but we want to continually improve in these areas. What we've seen from a student standpoint is students are recognizing that they are the owners of their education. Uh, they're not here just to check the boxes and turn in assignments, but they're here to learn to think. And if we can get that right, if they can understand that this is actually a measure we're taking as a school, to improve their thinking skills, um, they're all in. They want to think, they want to be engaged, they lean into the conversation. So then when they're present in the conversation, there's nowhere to hide. The construction of the table itself um, disallows somebody to hide. And so they're engaged in the conversation, they're constantly thinking, even in the silent times, and sometimes that's the most precious time in the discussion, is when everyone's quiet, because typically that means everyone's thinking. So we wanna get our students to think, but then in addition to that, they begin to learn as they mature that good questions are um, such a blessing <laughs> to a great conversation. Asking a good question that, 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 that many might be curious of or don't know how to phrase it or will extend to the next idea. And so um, we've seen our students learn to become thinkers as well as good questioners, which is a goal of ours. 
Um, but more importantly, when we talk about doing this in a Christian context, we want, we want to help raise students um, or train students in the way of being, or being okay with asking questions of the faith. Um, if we're all being honest, the Christian faith, many of us will have doubts from time to time. But knowing that it's okay to walk into Christianity, which Christianity is a robust worldview that can actually answer the difficult questions we believe. And, and so we want our students to recognize that. Um, and it's okay to, when you have doubts in faith um, or in your spiritual journey, um, to, to ask questions, um, to ask questions and, and look for those answers in scripture, to ask questions of those who have been shepherds ahead of you, your pastors, um, Christian educators. And so we want our students to recognize that that is a part of our faith. Um, it's a part of spiritual formation. Um, and so we don't want to produce robots. We don't want to produce um, students who are just going to go through the motions. We really want them to become thinkers um, and to own their Christian faith. Lastly, I would like to say this, that um, as a school, we, we, we struggled initially, and it was hard to identify exactly why, especially in biblical worldview, um, the teachers tended to struggle. And we identified it, and now we've been very explicit with responding to this. And it's this, that our teachers were a little bit concerned or really concerned with the idea of creating truth, having our students think they can create truth, capital T truth, um, versus the concept of creating meaning. We are not a school that is in the business of creating truth. We believe that truth is absolute, but we are in the business of creating meaning. We want our students to recognize and want our teachers to recognize that we are trying to create the atmosphere for understanding. And so that I think will help listeners, uh, school, uh, school leaders, as they begin to think about this, think about you're looking at it. Um, there is a tension between creating truth and creating meaning. So um, lean towards creating meaning. The second thing I would say in that same realm is some, because we were pushing student-centered learning, some of our teachers struggled with, do you mean self-centered? Because it seems like when you're giving them all of the ownership, you're creating little narcissists. And that's not what we wanted at all. Um, th there is a text at the center or an artifact at the center of all of these discussions. Student-centered means that we're having them do the heavy lifting, um, but it doesn't mean that we're trying to create self-centered learners. Um, yeah, and I think that that's how I want to answer that question. Yeah, well, Justin, thank you so much for sharing today. And I, I remember when we were uh, writing the chapter for Flourishing Together, I shared with you out of a really great book that I, that I found uh, by Martin Copenhaver called Jesus is the Question. And he shares in that book uh, that in the Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions, and he only directly answers three. And there are another five that he indirectly answered, but, but that means that Jesus was more than 40 times more likely to ask a question than to answer one. And I think sometimes we think of Jesus as being incredibly didactic, and he was the most amazing teacher ever, but a questioning was a huge part of what he did. And, I, and just to sort of close with this quote, Copenhagen writes, there is great value in pondering the implications of having a savior who approaches us and the world with questions. So Justin, thanks so much for helping us to ponder the implications for that in Christian schools, for educators and for our students. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Lynn, for having me on the podcast. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. 
Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward. 